welcome, welcome, welcome back to the VHS Club to our double feature week where we are talking all about OG slasher flicks. I think that's the best way to describe it, right? <laughs> Friday the 13th yeah. and yeah. Halloween. So we, we have made it to Halloween. Nat, how are you feeling? I, I'm feeling good. Uh, we watched this actually. It's funny because Katie and I were watching this yesterday, mm-hmm. texting back and forth the whole time. So it was almost like we did like a live viewing together. I know. <laughs> At some point, we our way to through, it's like we should have just done this, <laughs> watching it live. <laughs> like I we know. basically did the podcast yesterday. <laughs> this is uh, this was my fault. We have Dan hanging out in the chat, being like, "Hey, hang on a second. Hey. It's Friday. It is. It's Friday. It's usually my fault when things go horribly awry. I uh, I didn't pull off yesterday, but I." But I, I wanted to be able to actually really watch this movie, so I, I finished watching it uh, yeah. actually this morning, like early this morning. So uh, thanks to everyone for putting up with our being a night off. But I'm glad we I'm glad we did two in a week. I don't think yeah. I could do two in a week often, but I, no. I feel like it's a, it's now like both movies are so fresh in my mind that we'll be able to do a really good comparison tonight. So and Nat dove like way in for tonight. So I, I went gonna, like, down take it away. An internet <laughs> rabbit hole yesterday. So I watched the movie and then I'm like, I have questions. <laughs> Uh, and it took me down a very deep tunnel on the internet, which I found there is uh, a very intense debate about the psychology of Michael Myers um, online and how most apparently most people think that his only motivation for killing is that he is the embodiment of evil and not that he actually has any reason to kill. Which has like other than in the opening scene where as a child he sees his sister who's supposed to be babysitting him neglect him to have sex with her boyfriend upstairs like, and he decides reasons. that I'm like <laughs> and and that traumatizes him as a kid because he's neglected for for because his sister slash babysitter is having sex instead of watching him I'm like that's motivation guys because yeah. he is I mean. Not to dive too deep into actual psychology, but I'm like, Michael Myers presents as a sociopath and a psychopath, which is pretty rare to have like both in one. He's also extremely intelligent, which is characteristic to both. But it's I'm like, no, he has all the motivation, but the Internet does not agree with me. (laughs) I think Katie and I stand alone at the fact that he has motivation for killings because he only kills babysitters, especially if they have sex. Yeah. Um, in this and, movie, one of it it flashes from when he's a six year old kid and he ends up murdering his sister because she neglected him while babysitting. To fifteen years later, he's now twenty one and he breaks out of the mental institution that he was imprisoned in, and he goes back to his hometown on Halloween night, which is his birthday. Or no, yes, Halloween night, which is his birthday, and he goes to kill. Um, he quickly finds and stalks, you know, the local. He finds some babysitters because teen apparently... sweetheart babysitter, and uh, decides to kill off all the babysitters. <laughs> yeah, which, which, if you've seen this movie, and we have a few people hanging out in our live chat, even though we threw everyone for a loop, so so let us know if you've seen this one or what your feelings and thoughts are in this one. But my immediate, and I again, I if if you have not been here before, or if you do not remember this fun fact about me. I am one of the least observant people ever. So if something happens in the movie that like I'm not blatantly supposed to know, I've I've missed it. But this movie, I was like super observant. Hyper, hyper, hyper observant. observant. Katie was yesterday. Yes. I was like, 
like gold medal for observance gold goes medal to for Katie. Me. I know I win. She I win missed for... shit. I was like, I didn't notice that until you pointed it out. <laughs> so both Nat and I, and I'm proud to say that I noticed this, uh, have so many questions about this town and Halloween. So uh, so here are a few yeah. of here are a few of the ones that we had. Let us know if you have these questions as well. One is that th- there's no trick or treating. Like the kids aren't aren't trick or treating. Why? Well, how come th- no one's taking these kids out for candy? And then the second one I well, had the was the kids like, being babysat. Yeah, the kids being other babysat. kids were trick or treating, but the kids that were being babysat did not get to go no, trick or treating. They didn't get to go trick or treating, and they had like terrible Weird. babysitters, except for Lori, the kid that Lori was watching. But yeah. the uh, and then my other question is like where. Where are all the parents? Like, as a parent of those age kids myself, like, I like, are they just at an overnight party? Like, are, are they like, are like, they out of town for the are weekend? Are they all out of town? Friday night? Because like, yeah. like the the babysitters had no con, like, had no sort of reaction or acknowledgement to the fact that the parents are going to be coming home at some point. Yeah. Yeah. They didn't, they clearly thought that like they were clearly yeah. acting as though they were all going to put these kids to bed. Like, and, and they were totally, you know, taking all of the And that the parents weren't, the coming, parents home. weren't like, coming home. Yeah. Yeah. I've like these, uh, one of the, one of the quote unquote babysitters, she decides to go over to the house that her friend is babysitting at to have sex with her boyfriend Sure, yeah, while the kid is asleep and her friend is downstairs and she's talking on the phone with their other friend Lori who's babysitting is the plan that's the plan and they go over nobody's home so they essentially break into this house and they go and have sex in this house and then of course they get murdered by Nikki but so my question is like these kids had no like they didn't seem to acknowledge the fact that somebody's going to be home they're taking their time they were drinking they were having sex they they weren't rushed they weren't hurried they weren't like no concept of ramifications of getting in trouble <laughs> like, there's also like no neighbors <laughs> around whatsoever like like no which i mean i guess is is part well of they were the, out trick-or-treating with their kids <laughs> is part of the no but this is later like is part of like the the kind of slasher trope or like that you know guidelines for slasher movies one of the things that we talked about last episode was that you you're kind of in this setting where you're really isolated right and so in friday the 13th we you know we saw all of these camp counselors were at camp crystal lake there was no one around the camp wasn't open yet it was like yeah sleepaway camp in the middle of nowhere whereas this movie takes place in like a like fairly busy suburban neighborhood neighborhood. on halloween night and like yeah. I'm willing to like I'm willing to I'm willing to buy into that I'm willing to buy into the fact that and apparently that the it... cops are out and about patrolling because the psychiatrist who had locked up and has been treating six year old now twenty year old Michael Myers has not only called the police to warn them that this crazed man is coming to kill everybody mm-hmm. he has showed up in town. <laughs> to get the police to be like, look, he's here to murder people. I have proof of this. Look, there's my stolen car. Like, so there's apparently the police are all patrolling too, but we don't see them and they're not anywhere near a house where there's a babysitter. <laughs> like, 
<laughs> and there's no one else home. Like when at like nearing yeah. the end of the movie, when Laurie, played by Jamie Lee Curtis, is like running for her life, and Michael Myers is ch- you know slow walk chasing her down. The, she's yeah. like banging on every door. She's like throwing things at the houses. No, no one is home. Like no one is home. No, no one hears her screaming. Which again, I, I get that it's part of a kind of the trope of these movies, and I'm I'm in for it. I I love Wait, these movies, yeah. but but it, I was just like where. Like, is this neighborhood okay? Like, where are these people? Because, <laughs> like, they've already had this, like, horrific murder, you know, like, 21 years earlier or whatever it was in their neighborhood years. or 15 yeah. years earlier. And But they, yeah. yeah so I'm like, I'm, I'm just worried for this neighborhood. I Yeah, I, I mean, just, 50 yeah. years really erased everybody in this, this, this town's memory. Except for, ironically, the little kid that Jamie Lee Curtis, Lori, is babysitting at the beginning of the movie, she he she's going to her dad's the town realtor, mm. and she's dropping off a key in the mailbox because people are going to go visit the house because he's trying to sell it. Yeah. And the little kid that she's babysitting later that night is like, "Oh, you shouldn't go near that house. Only bad things happen if you go near that house. So anybody who goes near it, bad things happen to." <laughs> like I said on Tuesday's episode about slasher movies and Friday the Thirteenth. Always listen to the kid at the beginning of the movie or the old person. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Always. Like an old creepy person that's yeah. the person you listen to if there's a kid. And or a kid case, telling you something wiser beyond their years. Listen to them. In this case, <laughs> also the doctor who, again, like, I think is my yeah. favorite character in this movie because, as you said, like, not only does he... I have so he, many questions about him. Does it, not, only, not only does he, like... At the beginning of the movie, he has this comment where he's just like, we should never let this man out. Like, this man stays in prison for, or in the mental institution for forever. Yeah, and then not even he, just take him to court. He's like, if we yeah, take him to court. I'd rather not take him to court. Like, he, he needs to be fully sedated and catatonic. Like, that's <laughs> the only way we could get him yeah. to go to court. I'm assuming because he was locked up since he was six years old, Mikey. Yeah. Um, that... The doc, like he, I'm assuming that now that he's 21, his sentence needs to be revisited. Yeah, I guess. Um, Because the doctor obviously didn't sign off that he's okay to get out. Because I know juvenile cases, sometimes they let even child serial killers out when they turn of age. Because they say your brain chemistry changes so much that it's possible that they won't repeat or likely they won't repeat that kind of behavior when they mature regardless <laughs> i'm like i'd still keep a really close eye on like well see you would want this kids who had in your neighborhood people he was like not only did he just like drive himself to the yeah. house and like stand in front of it with his gun in his pocket like he was just like ready yeah. he's like i'm gonna save all of these children <laughs> but yeah i i don't know I, I thoroughly enjoyed um i enjoyed him as a i character. did question I did question, like, why? Because so the doctor shows up to the men's institution to sedate Mikey so he could take him to court. Mm-hmm. And and everybody's broken. All the patients are broken out. There seems to be no staff anywhere. Um, and all in the pouring rain, all of the, the standing in patients in the mental institution in the are all hospital gowns. And they're, yeah. like, wandering around like zombies in the front yard. Yep. <laughs> But and and then Mikey attacks the nurse and steals the car. Um, but he lets her live, which I'm like lends to he has a very specific motivation to get to his hometown babysitters because he wasn't interested in killing anybody else. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, but this doctor, I'm like, so he he informs the hospital director 
tells him that he screwed up and that it's his fault because that's true and then he calls the police from the hospital and says hey this guy's on the loose i know he's coming there he's my patient he's gonna kill people i'm like so that's basically like it's now it's the police's responsibility but no for some crazy reason he chases a sociopath like across the state to go and stop him from from killing other people like what i would have been like job done i called the police i told the director of the hospital my responsibility has been fulfilled until they catch me again. <laughs> like, yeah. But no, this doctor goes after <laughs> Mikey. I was like, oh, this is too much. <laughs> I do. Uh, I'm I'm ha- hanging out here with our live studio audience, and I do love a couple of these comments. So <laughs> the, first, the first is Doc says, um, no, we like we did not have helicopter parents at this point. So the parents were just like no. gone, which uh, which yeah. is I facts. Guess, yeah, a good, yeah, a good defense for why there were no parents around. And Travis agrees with you, Nat. Um, Travis says, I love how the sheriff is responding to a store break-in where a mask, rope, and knives were stolen. And it's like, right. nothing suspicious about this at all. It's it's very true. It's like Halloween night, and they're like, ah, oh, teenagers, always doing teenager things. When they know. like Still masks like, and it's, knives. It's, it's not that big a town. At that point, they know that there is an escaped mental patient whose house is in that town. And they're like, this is fine. It's probably Which teenagers. also, like, this town had there's no way that this community who seems very like small town like illinois like there's no way they were not rocked by a six-year-old kid brutally murdering his sister with a kid like a, a chef's knife you know like there's no way that like they're like oh it's only been 15 years we just totally forgot about all of that they wouldn't they be more on edge be like shit he's coming back like this is bad i know yeah the town should have been the town should have been running. wrong I also, reaction i also feel like the house would have been torn down i mean I, like I, and this is sad but when i was a kid growing up or when nat and i were kids growing up there was yeah. there were uh, there was a uh murder case in not the town that we lived in but um a few towns over and they they had to tear that well, house down because no a one few suburbs over yeah, that's the no one would live yeah. there like they were like nope we're not like and it so, wasn't like a serial case no. it was just a brutal it was just case. a brutal killing yeah and so it was I, a yeah yeah so it's so Ugh. i i mean again i know that this all works for the movie so this is just us poking fun but i yeah it uh, it definitely was like you're like, huh? So you're still trying to sell this house, huh? It's been like, it's been it's a really been long time, years. but, but hey, it's like nobody we remembers. We could sell it now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> anyway, I so in the classic trope of slashers, one of the babysitters, um, Annie, is she's not a very good babysitter. She's actually very rude and like borderline not a good friend even, mm-hmm. <laughs> and um. She spills, she's making popcorn and she's melting butter on the stove. She splashes herself and she decides, I'm going to get fully naked yeah, to wash my clothes, which also, this was one of my questions. So she goes to wash her, her shirt and her jeans mm-hmm. and the washer and dryer, like the laundry room in this fairly large looking suburban home is outside like it's in the backyard no it was in the backyard like they had to walk down a path through the yard to another building (laughs) like it wasn't attached to the house it's like who what (laughs) i'm like in 
in Chicago, like it's get, there's winter, like nobody's going outside and across the yard to do their laundry in the middle of winter. Like, no, I mean, it wasn't winter in this movie. It was fall, but it wasn't still. Even, it wasn't even really because it was filmed in California. Yeah. So it was like pretend fall. Correct. <laughs> yeah. Fun fact, the guy that ended up playing Freddy Krueger mm-hmm. um, was hired to um sprinkle the set with with fake fall leaves, fall leaves. yeah there's, there were no fall leaves. <laughs> to make it look like fall because it was a set in california um and it was supposed to be uh, halloween in illinois so uh this say uh, the actor the soon-to-be actor who played freddy krueger mm-hmm. was was like uh i don't know what to call them i guess a stagehand or something to like throw the leaves out onto the set i was yeah. like that's pretty funny <laughs> Oh my gosh. Well, I All in the family. <laughs> I will say so at the end of last episode I was trying to figure out whether or not like what my rating for Friday the 13th was and I was waiting to watch this one because in my mind I was mm-hmm. like I think I like Halloween better than Friday the 13th and both of these are like really f- kind of foundational you know s- kickstart movies to to what would become like a really huge, you know, franchise for each of them and also just a huge trend to these kind of like slasher horror movies. And I will say that at the end of watching this one, I do think I, I think, I think I am correct in my original assumption. I did like this one better. And I think you, we were chatting before we jumped on. Yeah. We should, we should, we should just start recording early. Cause we're both like, I have all these ideas, but we were, we were talking about um, the fact that this one actually really feels a lot more like a psychological serial killer movie than it does it's more of a, a psych thriller movie yeah and maybe that's why i like this one better i feel like i yeah i feel like i cared more about about i feel like i understood the storyline of the babysitters better maybe i could just identify with like, yeah I, i've babysat before i've never been a camp counselor before so i was like i, I kind of i got I understood that vibe a little bit better and then i also like Jamie Lee Curtis just nailed it as Laurie. So like, I feel like I liked her. I knew she was going to survive. I like, there was just something about like the connection to the characters more. And even like Loomis, like Travis is saying, like, you know, Loomis is, you know, chasing Michael in part because of how long he took care of him. Right. And so like, he knows Mike, he feels like he knows Michael better than anyone else. And he feels like he, he can stop him, which is partially crazy, but partially like it makes him have a bit more of a storyline as well. Like, I feel like there was more. Yeah character i mean to a point but more development character development character development in this one than there was in friday the 13th and i just find like again and part of it this is why i probably like the follow-up friday the 13th movies a lot better than the original is that there's something almost well there is there's something supernatural about these characters right about jason and michael and and um and freddie and like all of these characters right and michael in this movie is like (laughs) both terrifying but also like doofy like he's like silly and kind of weird and like there's like a scene almost childlike still yeah he's still childlike like there's a scene where he's like driving by in a car and he's like wearing this like creepy mat he's michael mask and he just like clearly looks crazy and like and they you know the the babysitters are all like laughing and joking and he he hears them and like comes to like a screeching stop and it's just kind of silly and it sort of puts you at ease again and then it amps up and makes you scared and then it puts you at ease again and then it amps up and makes you scared and I I like that journey. Like I really like the kind yeah. of 
I like feeling like a little bit okay for a bit. Like you're like, oh, but he's kind of an idiot. Like you should be able to get. And then you're like, no, he's he's crazy smart. Like he's coming. He's hyper intelligent. Yeah. Like he he stalks his prey. Yeah. He stalks the so he stalks Lori. Then mm-hmm. he stalks the kid that she's going to be babysitting. So he yeah. covers all the bases. Yeah. He knows not just the house that they're in, but the house that the neighbors are in, where her yeah. friend is babysitting. Yeah. When goes to investigate because she's like now i'm seriously worried she heard one of her friends die on the phone which at first she thought it was a gag but i gotta say Lori's like spidey sense like her gut feeling in this movie is off the charts because she always is like she's at school at the beginning of the movie and she suddenly she's not really paying attention to class or anything she's doodling and then she suddenly is like <gasps> and she looks outside and he's across the street staring at her she looks away and then she looks back he's not there yeah and, but then she's also able to answer the teacher's question like off the cuff and completely correctly. Like she's portrayed as like really good gut sense, really good uh, reactions, quick reactions, quick thinking, and she's extremely intelligent. So when she goes to finally investigate where her friends are across the street, because she knows something's seriously wrong at this point. Yeah. Um, she smartly locks the kids in the house yeah. because also in this movie it seems that nobody in this neighborhood and it's kind of a sign of the times uh locked their doors yeah. Yeah, exactly. so so she was quite clever to lock the kids into the house so nobody can really theoretically get in and when she's looking he he displays all of her her three friends bodies um almost in like shocking ways and in a booby trap kind of way like one of the bodies comes swinging down yeah, and taunting her, yeah. to scare her it's super intelligent like and he also traps the house so she can't get out she he locks doors from the outside by putting stuff up against the the door handles he makes sure that she can't get out like he set the house up for her to come and find her friends like yeah which is very smart it is incredibly (laughs) scary and then there's also it it is that same trope and so if you remember this movie uh this movie was released two years prior to friday the 13th and friday the 13th took a lot of um notes i guess from this movie yeah. so it, like the, this concept of like the survivor usually girl so the survivor girl woman yeah. teenager is the is the person who ends up kind of like it, because the group gets separated right like that's one of that's one of the the main things that happens in these movies it's like you have this larger group they're all under separated. attack but they don't really <laughs> realize it and they you know they inevitably are like separate themselves and then they get picked off one by one. So by the time you get back to the, to the survivor, like the one person that's going to make it all the way through, that person doesn't know what's going on for the most part. And so there's this, there is this scene of like discovery of the bodies and you're right. I think in this one, it's like, it, it comes across as much more like taunting and like, and yeah, yeah like, she didn't stumble across them in the she woods. She didn't stumble across them in the woods. I mean, it didn't get thrown team. through the front window for yeah. her to find, you know, like this. He literally displayed them. He stole yeah. his sister's tombstone from the cemetery to display over the head of her friend laid out in a cross on the bed. Yeah. Like he he set the scene yeah. to scare the shit out of this poor girl. Yeah. Like. It, he was going after her not just physically to kill her and her friends, but psychological torture along the way. Yeah, which which again makes it more for me a psychological thriller than a slasher. Yeah. And yeah. like I had mentioned to you um, the other day, that I find that this movie and the first Friday the Thirteenth together combined is what makes 
the I suppose the like formula for a slasher yeah for a slasher movie it's not one or the other it's like this one sets up the survivor girl and it sets up the dying by blades yeah without this one there is <laughs> uh, no friday the 13th and the, exactly yeah, there is no there is no slasher like with without friday the 13th yeah. and this combined yeah um yeah i do love um so in typical slasher formula like you know annie is the first one to die because she takes her top off um right away as soon as she took her top off i'm like oh nipple she dies first <laughs> that's just that's the way it goes and then i got excited when linda and bob came over to have sex it's like oh maybe we'll get a double kill we didn't they died separately in this mm. but that does become a thing in in movies that follow where sometimes you'll get like a double or even a triple kill mm. which is pretty exciting for a viewer <laughs> He's like, whoa! Murder, we do, no, 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 no. In, in slasher films only. <laughs> yeah, and I will say, Travis again, like killing it with these awesome points. So, uh, Travis for the win on this episode. But, um, but Travis said, like, which I think is an important part of this movie. Like, none of the none of Lori's friends, like all of them, are smarmy and terrible. Like, none of them are likable. Well, so at no Bob's point, smarmy. Yeah. yeah, but the, but even the even like her other friends, like they're not. Yeah, and he's kind of, of her. rude. They're kind of rude. Like you get the he, Travis is saying, you get the sense that Lori isn't really actually friends with any of these people. She's sort of like there they do with kind them. of pick on her. They pick on her a lot. So I feel like for being it smart. makes it. It almost gives you like permission to be to be a rooting for Lori and yeah. be like not all that surprised or upset that all the other ones die. Like it's yeah, they're kind of. I feel that they're doing Carpenter things that they shouldn't be doing like they're not yeah. likable care so like in i guess in the in the you know in the framework of these kinds of movies you're not as upset like it's not like when you're watching like a tv show for example and you've built up like you know whatever a season or two seasons of you know of love for a particular character whether they're a, a bad guy or a good guy you like you you have like an attachment to them and then they get killed off and you're like oh my goodness i'm like distraught about this like these characters you're like clearly yeah. they're not they're not here to stay. They're not really likable. They're they not... were written to be only mildly yeah. acceptable, so that yeah. way they're easy to die. Yeah, <laughs> but I will. I feel say... John Carpenter give gave that moral yeah Permission okay to, yeah. to to his audience with that. Like yeah. it was yeah, which I we will... lose that in later films. <laughs> exactly. I I will say that like when I was watching the scene where so. Michael has already killed Bob, which is great because that guy was a jerk. <laughs> and then, and then, um, and then Lindsay's like still in the bed waiting for Bob to come back. And Michael like shows up at the door, and he's like in a ghost costume, like an old timey like sheet ghost Just, like, costume, a white sheet, a white with sheet, Bob's glasses, with like holes, and he's got Bob's hole. glasses. And I texted Nat, and I was like. I want to go as Michael Myers dressed as Bob for Halloween. This is what I want to be. Like, this is my new goal. Like, I just... Which also, how clever is that? That he's yeah. like, you know what? I'm going to go and mess with her for a little bit. And I'm going to yeah. put this Halloween costume on. I'm like, that's too much. It's it's really <laughs> Mikey, like... Mikey, take it down a notch. Like, it's really like just go and kill the kids. Because it's, it's like creepy. It's toying. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's really smart. But it's also still really childlike. Like... And again, Travis, yeah. again, with well, I mean, amazing, he's 21. But... Amazing insights, you know, says uh, Michael has the mentality and curiosity of a child while yeah. also being able to think outside the box like one and lacking any sense of self-preservation that a younger child might have. Like he is 
definitely developmentally delayed, right? Like he's he's yeah. been in a mental institution for the entire time. <clears throat> he had a crazy traumatic experience. He was a crazy traumatic experience. So he yeah, he does like, have well, that kind was, of he has he like that child <laughs> that he has that childish spirit. Well, that playfulness that he's playing like an animal, like a cat playing with a mouse. It's like a cat playing with a mouse. And it's funny, be- not funny, but it- it's interesting because a lo- I feel like a lot of horror movies in other genres have, especially like the the kind of like The Ring, for example, or like some of these other movies often will have like creepy kids in them. And I, I feel yeah. like there's something inherently terrifying about like flipping kind of the purity and innocence of a child into this like dark place. And I feel like they yeah. do that with Michael only he's tall and an adult and like really imposing and you can't fight back. So it is an interesting layer to, to the entire movie. And I think to his I have character. to say when you knew things were going to start getting stabby when <laughs> it's so now it's dark and like kids have been trick or treating for a while and now it's pretty dark out. So it's a bit later mm-hmm. and you see these kids are crossing the streets uh, saying trick or treat whatever but they make it into this creepy little song i'm like children should not be allowed to sing things <laughs> that should just be normal and in movies because it makes it super creepy i'm like oh now people will start dying because these kids were just creepy without realizing it <laughs> this is where people die they knew. they knew how creepy they were being yeah which is a good time to bring up and and i'm again impressed with myself i'm gonna take my, all my credit tonight with with yes. no with noticing or feeling this but i i and I don't think I noticed this the first, you know, however many times I've seen this movie, but there the the use of and I call this, but you corrected you corrected me in, in your well. obsessive of rewatching, but the <laughs> yes. use of mu- music and sound and lack of sound or you, when you were or playing it's actually like the volume. volume of the sound. Yeah. I think is really clever in this movie. And I, I can't yes. think of and granted I'm sure we'll rewatch a bunch of them, but I I can't think of another movie that does it as well as this movie does, where you yeah. you are subconsciously and sometimes consciously tracking where Michael is and whether or not he's in the scene based on the volume and the music and the kind of music. And it like it is doing it's like leading up to like there might be a jump scare. It might get really scary. And then like, just kidding. He's gone. <laughs> like it's like, And it, I think it's really clever because it's a way of building suspense but it's not just sort of the the typical way of doing it and it like there's a lot of moments that feel very quiet like too quiet and it's just making you kind of wonder what's what's going to happen and then the music gets really loud and you like think something's gonna happen then it backs off and I think it I think it is really like also how they interesting use of it yeah, they break down the the theme song. I call it the the villain theme song. So in slashers, like I mentioned, yeah, each character uh, Dave Voorhees, like you know he's coming when you hear the cha 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 ah ah ah. And then this one, um, Mikey has his own little thing too. He has his theme song, so you know he's about to get stabby when you hear it. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> um, with this, like we first hear it after six year old Michael kills his sister, but it's. It's almost childlike. It's being played on a piano, but you could hear like the person playing. It's like sort of hitting more than one key, like their fingers are slipping very childlike. And Mm -hmm. then it progresses Um, and it it takes different pitches too, depending what it is. When 
uh, he's stalking the the kid outside of the elementary school and another kid bumps into him. It gets really loud and aggressive, but very clear. Mm -hmm. um, and then when he's um, stalking one of the girls before he kills them, it sort of breaks it up into pieces when Laurie's looking through the house to try and find her friends. Like you hear different parts of the theme, the villain theme, like, broken up as she's getting closer to finding like the third body it's more whole and then when he's there the, the theme song is complete like yeah it's really interesting and then i love like you were saying when it's his point of view they do this cool thing where the camera's like just over his shoulder or inside of his mask yeah and you it's like the surrounding environment is quieter and his breathing is louder so it yeah, you puts feel like you in this in suspenseful his... yeah you're in his head and un and unlike Friday the 13th which has a lot of that like it has a lot of like you can hear the killer's breathing you're sort of from the perspective yeah. of the killer this one has a mix of both right because you're from you're both yeah. sometimes from the perspective of Michael but sometimes you're trying to find where he is in the scene because like the ki you know Tommy's like I see him and then like you're looking for him but then he's gone and Laurie's like there's no one there yeah and, like, but then like you see him like off in the corner and again the music kind of triggers you to to be looking for him and it like yeah. and he's again it's it sort of puts you a little bit at ease because he's not he's kind of stupid looking like he's not he's not scary he's wearing and I think Dan mentioned it earlier but for those of you who are not aware he's wearing a stretched out Captain, Captain Kirk, Kirk mask like in real life I love like it. That, this mask is just like a like bleach it's literally like, a Captain Kirk mask Captain Kirk mask so he like he looks yeah. somewhat ridiculous he's like he's like silly looking so he's not like terror so it kind of like puts you at ease but like but doesn't and it and he's like kind of silly and slow move like he, like all the other ones it's not like he's not like running at people or like running at you with a night like he's he's moving sort of like slowly and then he's yeah. gone and you don't know where like it's more in the sort of suspense of it all and i think the music plays a really big part in that which is great Doc has a great comment. Uh, yeah. He says it's music theory time. They used D minor inversions to build the tension and fear, which yes, like <laughs> it was super good. It was, and apparently John Carpenter wrote like the score in like three days or something yeah. <laughs> by himself. He like locked himself away and he's like, this is what it's going to be. I'm like, could you imagine doing that in three days? And it's still today, like something used in movie, like well, in Halloween movies. He also like, you know, for diving into some fun facts about this movie, like he he wrote this movie with his then girlfriend and like they did it on like, like a budget of basically nothing. And it made yeah. an insane amount of money. Like it was like not only was it like crazy successful, but obviously it like spawned a, an entire genre. They they're still making Halloween movies today. Like they're it's... Yeah, I think one came out just last year. Yes. Last was it last Halloween or the Halloween before? I think it was last Halloween. I still haven't seen that one. I'm going to have to catch up and and watch that yeah. one, but yeah, it is it is kind of fun to see that like good good like storytelling and a different kind of unique idea is you know can kind of can can carry a film even when it's really low budget yeah. it was so low budget that jamie lee curtis had to buy all of her own clothes she spent a hundred dollars yeah. at jc penny do you remember jc penny jc penny yeah <laughs> to for her for her whole wardrobe which i think is just hilarious but yeah yeah um can we talk about for a moment how i mean regardless of whatever so michael seems very human in this in this movie it's like a kid who has this psychotic break and then he develops into his sociopathy and psychopathy um but he's also apparently superhuman 
because he doesn't die. So he, <laughs> he finally attacks Jamie Lee Curtis. He finally goes mm-hmm. to stab her with a knife. I'm like, but how did you miss? He's like seven feet tall and silent as like dust on the wind. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, and she does, he misses her. She grabs a knitting needle because she's survivor girl and has what uses, she doesn't need to find a weapon. She uses whatever's handy. Yep. She stabs him in the carotid artery. He'd bleed out in what? Like maybe a minute. Mm-hmm. He's just fine. He's fine. He also and then shot she, like many, many times at the six, end after being stabbed. Six times. I counted the movie. Apparently, John Carpenter said he only got shot five times, but I was like, six. I watched it like, like five times I yesterday to make sure I counted it. He got shot six times, which I love. It's like the doctor goes to look over the balcony and he's just gone. Mm. <laughs> Happy little theme song. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. Like, he's superhuman. He gets his eye like raked with um a wire coat hanger i don't i don't so okay this was like one of my so oh I'm, this I'm, was i'm gonna get in for a up. second so so i have again i i was very observant this time around so come with me on this journey so so michael myers it, you know is finally going after laurie he's you know he's killed off all of her babysitter friends and he's he's in the house and he is he's got his knife his giant knife and he goes to stab her she knitting needles him he drops the knife she picks up the knife and then she, like, doesn't check on him, which, like, why, though? She runs upstairs to go and get the kids to make sure that the kids get out. So she runs she didn't to... pick up that knife. Didn't she, she leave did. that? She picked up the knife for, like, a minute. Oh. But then when you see her upstairs with the kids, she, she doesn't, doesn't have, have the knife. The knife. Yeah. And then, and then of course, he catches up to them. And so then she locks herself in the closet and, and hides the kids. And so the, she doesn't have a weapon. He's got a knife. So you're like, oh, okay, he, like, he somehow she's she lost the knife and he picked it up again that's weird but okay so so he's got the knife again and it's a different knife yeah so it ends up being a totally different knife but but i don't buy that like she she takes a a wire hanger i have these wire hangers right like the the wire is so malleable that you can like like do whatever like i believe that i believe that you could like if you were like close you know you held it like really close and you tried to like jab someone you might break the skin but i think if you had it like as long as she did and you ran at someone it would just bend like i don't think it would cause the like it wouldn't it wouldn't have hurt him there was no way that that would have hurt like even if she went at his eye like it's not going in there like those things are just bending and fall, like they're floppy they're like the most malleable possible yeah. metal but anyway fine she does that and she like attacks him but then at the very <laughs> end of the movie like you know after He's been killed. She and his, stabs him right, killed. like under she's, the ribs too, yeah. which should she have gets got the him knife in the heart, back honestly. again. And she stabs him again, and then and then Loomis comes in to save the day, and he shoots him six times, six, and he goes flying out. Then they do this like they do this like slow camera view of the whole house, which is actually awesome and like really you know interesting. Yeah, but then they it it scans the living room where she had like her knitting needle moment with Michael, and the knife is just laying there. So you're like. How many? Where is he getting all of these knives from? Like, just, well, they did like, say. Why didn't he pick that one back up? Like, both of them just left that knife there, and he went and got a different knife, and they and she wasn't able to get out in that time. They know. did say when the convenience store, the general store, was robbed, that several knives and a mask were missing. Oh, so, like, so you think he just had like multiple knives on him, and he just like walked over that knife and just pulled out another one? That was. I'm <laughs> stretching. I'm okay. stretching on that one. So, mm. so this also now brings us to to this scene that has great debate on the internet. Yeah. Um, 
Lori, when she's frantically trying to fight him off, because he mm. resurrects himself now for what the third time, mm. <laughs> he um she knocks his mask off for a second, and you see, and this is where his child like like he freezes, like he's not he's you know, he's not uh he's not the shape. So in the credits, he's the the there's two actors that play Michael Meyer, or three, three actors, actors that play that Michael Meyer. There's a six-year-old. The twenty-one-year-old and the and, the and then actor. so there's there's the face actor and then the one that go run is running around and killing mm -hmm. people. Um, so when you see the face, um, he he's not the shape anymore. Okay, so the one murdering people was credited as the shape, and it's supposed to represent that he's the shape of evil, like he's just an embodiment of evil, mm -hmm. nothing else. Mm -hmm. um, so this has led people to believe that he has no motivation. For his killing because he's just the embodiment of evil Which, yeah, that aside we see his face it looks like he's had a severe cerebral hemorrhagic stroke because his his left side of his face it's is droopy, droopy. yeah mm -hmm. so of course the internet which I'm like, we can still frame everything nowadays most people seem to believe <laughs> that he's not at all disfigured <laughs> I'm like, I beg your pardon. And of course, uh, John Carpenter and Tony Morano, who played the face actor, said, no, he wasn't disfigured at all. It was just where she had cut him with the wire coat hanger. Yeah, which again is not possible. <laughs> His face was droopy. Like it was, it had sags. <laughs> like I immediately, my first thought was, well, it's, you know, it, he was hospitalized in a mental institution a la One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, mm -hmm. like in the 60s and 70s <laughs> for like almost two full decades. And so like, clearly he must have had some sort of electrotherapy mishap or something. He probably stroked out at some You're point. Like, this no. is Loomis's fault. <laughs> it's just, yeah, I'm like, well, Loomis has made him this way. Oh. No, no, no. It's just a bad prosthetic, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> but what drives me insane is that so many people online like popular opinion is that he's not even disfigured at all it's just you're misseeing it well part <laughs> of it and and travis just asked or asked a few minutes ago um whether or not we've seen the sequels yes we have seen all of the yes. sequels except the most recent except one for the most recent out. um but even and I h2o think, i think part of what you're saying too is that many people and even when we were looking for facts for this movie like mm. a lot of a lot of the facts for this movie are facts for the whole franchise and it's Series. similar yeah it is similar for friday the 13th but one of the the problems with that and maybe maybe this this internet belief comes out of that in a bit is that is that the first movies of both of these franchises are very different than the ones that followed neither of these original movies thought that there would be any sequels friday the 13th's creators didn't even want there to be a sequel halloween's creators like were lucky to get this movie made and definitely did not think that there would be sequels so by the time that they actually came around to making sequels they both both movies really had to shift what the entire storyline was right so you went from yeah friday the 13th you went from it being um, you know Jason's mom to actually Jason and there was like and then the story shifted and, and like in many cases doesn't make any sense and Halloween is even way is even crazier like it goes like I believe in the die, second movie characters come back for life they completely reset the movies in like the yeah. early 2000s like it so even in the second be... Halloween 2 yeah. Halloween 2 they couldn't figure out how to get Jamie Lee Curtis and Michael Myers back together 
Yeah. So they made Lori his sister. Yeah. In the second they, movie, which, they which makes no sense because it has nothing to do with the first movie. Yeah. So and I think Doc pointed out that he has Bell's palsy. I'm like, isn't that in the Rob Zombie movies? Like, I don't know if that's in the John Carpenter movies. I'm pretty. I. I. Doc will correct me. For They're sure. all like part um, of my issue is that I, it's been so long since I've seen all of them kind of in order. Like, did like a sit down i haven't seen them consecutively so it's like they're all kind of blended together in my head but i think the important thing is it's like the um a lot of the kind of discussion is looking at it from the lens of the entire series but the series itself is problematic because they're constantly changing what the story is to be able to release more movies so i think it's yeah so travis says based on the the 2018 trilogy my interpretation is that any power he gets from killing is taken away the moment the mask comes off and doesn't come back yeah. again until he kills again, making him weakened, unmasked, right? Like, totally. And a, and a lot of, like, a lot of that mythology is built into the movies later to try to explain the fact that this guy just doesn't die because they like him and they want to keep making movies with him. So it, I think a, a lot of it probably is, is that. Because I think you're right. If you're looking at it just from the frame of this one movie... I completely agree with you that I think he it, it I am I imagine the intention of the writers originally was that he he was this like very damaged kid from this one situation. He obviously had like all the markers to be able to do this. He snapped, he did this and then he's just been it, like again like 70s mental institution which was like not a positive space at the time so like the 70s like for sure they had him on lsd for for treatment and they had him like this poor kid was probably like like like, he's practically a toddler and he was probably (laughs) tripping balls (laughs) um so doc said he was joking about the bell's palsy thing so i quickly did a a search because i'm like no he had something a diagnosis in the rob (laughs) zombie movies so in 2007 2008 rob zombie from the metal from a metal band Mm -hmm. uh phenomenal film Mm -hmm. writer director by the way if you want to be um disgusted and horrified um watch a rob zombie horror movie they're so good um but it takes i don't count these as part of this franchise because it takes it to a whole other place um and they are actually like the first halloween that rob zombie did was probably one of my favorites um he does have a diagnosis called catatonia and he exhibits um stupor like certain like phases of stupor anyways he has like an inherited disorder okay um so he he does have like disability in the rob zombie ones but but not in these ones um it was just a bad prosthetic guys (laughs) according to the actor tony morano who played the face (laughs) (laughs) he got a whole 250 dollars for that (laughs) yeah it took apparently like an hour four takes and he got 250 bucks (laughs) He did have to cover his head in Vaseline so that when Jamie Lee Curtis knocked the mask off, it went smoothly. Um, And he said it was a huge pain in the butt to take the Vaseline out of his hair after, but he got 250 bucks. (laughs) As part of the franchise, I need to give a shout out to uh, a fun fact that Halloween part six was Paul Rudd's first uh, big screen Part. let's just all watch know. that one over and over again <laughs> just, <laughs> for Paul Rudd. just the uh just the moment of it yeah it 
It, I just, and thank goodness for this movie because I, Jamie Lee Curtis is like one of my, Dear God. Like, just, I, she's an icon and I, she's the original scream queen. She's the original sure. scream queen without Defined her. I feel like, I mean, without her, without this movie, like I, one of my favorite, my favorite like Halloween horror movies is scream. I love the entire scream series. I even like the new ones, even though they're terrible compared to the original, but I, but I think, like, again, without without these two original movies, we would not have clever movies like Scream. And I just love the kind of continuation yeah. of this, of this. Just I, like sometimes it's just fun to be scared, but in a way that is, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, like this. And maybe it's just me and my weird personality. But to me, these movies feel less scary than some of the like, you know, psychological thrillers out there than some of the. Um, than the religious ones, which I, I personally find much yeah. scarier. Um, so, like, there's something kind of just, like, light and silly about these. And I think a lot of it is because these main characters just seem, like, supernatural. Like, they're, like, indestructible. They yeah, can't definitely. die. Like, so part of that is just, like, kind of takes away from the scariness of them, which makes it a more fun experience for me. Where I'm just like, oh, yeah, he's just going to walk around slashing people. No matter how fast they run, he's going to catch them. Like, they're going to, like, he's going to fall over and still be fine to catch them. They're going to nuke the fun. town and uh, he'll still <laughs> he'll live. He'll be fine. <laughs> we'll see him again next movie. Like, we always know there's, like, there's one There's definitely going to be live. a movie yeah. that's going to have resurrection in the title. Like, don't worry. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. There's there's something there. And it's funny because in reading like all of the fun facts about this movie or, or even just like about this this franchise or this style of movie, it you know, they were like they were saying that this was really novel in some ways and kind of came out yeah. of the the horrific truth of this, the 70s bringing us a ton of actual serial killers, right? So there was yeah. something kind of novel and different in this because prior to this the the scary movies that existed were were like very i don't know what the right word is like this this one it's like anyone could be killed is the is the idea in the, these yeah. movies right like there's no you know a serial killer could have a type right like in this one it's like babysitters like right women <laughs> he's going after women he's going after babysitters like whereas before that i feel like there was like before kind of the rise of serial killers murders felt very different than than afterwards and so I, th I think there's something kind of random and scary about the fact that it could be anyone it could be any town there's not a reason like it's not like yeah. it's not like a revenge thing you did something someone's coming after you it could happen to anyone it's not as personal it's yeah. not as personal it's yeah. not personal motivation um like the victims don't have a personal a stake in, yeah exactly yeah like Lori yeah. had no other than what later when she's his sister, quote unquote. But in this one, she had no connection to him, right? Like she she did all of the right things. She was like a good baby sitting in the wrong town. Yeah, that's she it. was just like wrong, yeah, wrong wrong time, wrong place, right? But um, yeah, I don't know. I think it's it's interesting. And now it's like you know uh, with the rise of kind of true crime podcasts and serial killer documentaries and whatever, we kind of we, we're so we're so like in that space that I think it's not as kind of novel to us looking back at this but at the time like yeah. that was I mean there were like every serial killer that we're now watching documentaries about like they were like killing people in the yeah. 70s and early 80s so like this when this yeah. came out like this was doubly scary because of 
what the world was like at that time, like what America was like at that time. Like there was yeah. Ted Bundy I mean, was killing summer, people at this time, right? Like, so it, it was a deal. Summer of STEM like, where yeah. people were dyeing their hair not to fit the, the killer's yeah, profiles yeah, and exactly. hiding and locking themselves in at home in New York City in the dead heat of the summer. Like it's, yeah, yeah. it was, uh, it was definitely crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Doc says my, Mike had a Ed Kemper vibe. Yeah. Like there's, he, he kind of likes embodies, the co-ed. <laughs> he embodies, I think even slightly more than some of the other ones in this, in this grouping. I think he just embodies that kind of serial killer vibe, which, Hey, maybe that's why he's my, I'm like, sociopath, my psychopath. Phase, so maybe that's why he's, he's my favorite out of all of these, but yeah, I have to say one scene that I really liked at the beginning of the movie, after Mikey, little Mikey, kills his sister, he comes outside, he's in his clown costume, he lifts his mask, his parents come home, and they go up to him and they're like, Michael? And he's standing there holding the knife up. Covered in blood. And, yeah, and his parents are sort of leaning over him and the camera just keeps panning back, panning back. So then you see like the whole house and it's panning further back and it's like a still frame, except you could see the kid's hand waver. So the knife is glinting, mm -hmm. but nobody else is really actually moving. I thought that was kind of, it was super creepy because it's like it's going further back and you think it's like the frame froze, but really it's just like the kid is actually like wiggling the knife. So it's glinting off the the moonlight yeah. so to speak but that was, I mean, that that was nice and creepy was, it was really a very beautifully shot like i mean the whole movie had great cinematography i think but the 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 whole first scene and again kind of the on, from my perspective the the sound of it all like it's all again from his within his mind right like it's muffled it's really his quiet point of view, yeah you're kind of like oh like can i should i be turning this up like it it it's a very jarring first scene for any movie and i think it, it yeah. kind of puts you into the space where you're like what is happening here? well so the shock to find out that it's like a little six-year-old kid that it's a kid yeah exactly yeah, yeah. it's but also we have to sorry go ahead i was gonna say it's a reverse of friday the 13th where it takes you all the way to the very end to figure out who it is in this one we okay. start off knowing the story and then are kind of trying to figure out like exactly not exactly why he's doing it but like if you're going to discover any more backstory about him, if they're like, if he's connected to any of these women that he's killing, like you're, you're, you're kind of like watching it. But again, you, you find it out right at the beginning versus Friday the 13th, where you don't know who it is or what's happening until the very end. You're just like, what, like what is going on? Yeah. Also, we need to say that Jamie Lee Curtis basically acted this whole movie without a scene partner by herself. She occasionally had scenes at with 19. her friends, occasionally had scenes with kids, and occasionally had scenes of the killer, but most of the movie she carried just by herself, like in a room. <laughs> it was so good and so well done. Like she really is just such a phenomenal actor. And I find in this movie, almost more than any other movie she's in, it displayed how good her acting is. And of yeah. course she's good in everything, but yeah. in this, like you really, it just shows us from such a young age I mean, she had good acting chops in her DNA, but mm -hmm. <laughs> regardless, she she really was very good in her own right. So I knew that her dad was Tony Curtis, but I didn't realize that her yes. mom is also famous too. So that was pretty cool to <laughs> yeah. that some of the fun facts. So um... I love Tony Curtis is in one of my favorite movies of all time, Some Like It Hot, 
which if you haven't seen it, it's an old Marilyn Monroe, Tony Curtis movie. So funny. One of the funniest movies. (laughs) I quote it all the time. (laughs) Nobody gets it anymore. (laughs) I'm there with you. (laughs) I'm funny. I'm like, I'm not. I'm like, Jack Lemmon's funny. I'm not funny. (laughs) Well, we did it. We got all the way to the very end. I love that even though we changed the night, people still found us. I promise next time we will be back on track. So um, this week we were Tuesday, Friday. Next week we will be back on track with Thursday. So we normally hang out Thursdays at 9 p.m. Eastern on YouTube is where we do a live recording. But if you miss it, there's always a replay. And obviously we're available wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. Make sure you add us in, like, and follow. And we have an insane list of movies there's so many movies from the 80s 90s and today quote unquote that um that we're working our way through but if you have a favorite movie let us know what it is so that we can hopefully add it into our list if we don't have it there already or move it up because now we know it's your favorite we gotta bump it up in our list uh but hey we're 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 still not on halloween nat we still have one more episode prior to halloween so what are we what do we think we're doing next i i don't know maybe um Hocus Pocus? Yeah, we did talk about Hocus Pocus. Um, I think, yeah, I think Hocus Pocus would be a good one. Um, and we haven't given our potato review yet for this one. What, do you, what is oh, everyone yeah. thinking? So if you're hanging out with our live studio audience, drop in your potato rating. And if you're watching us later, let us know in the comments what, what you think of this one. I had a hard time rating both of these ones because Same. there's just like a, uh, like it's, there's, you know, we normally rate from like gut feeling. So I can't say if these are overly <laughs> scientific. I think it's, again, I think same as Friday the 13th. I kind of based it on the fact that this is still, it's not just a franchise of movies. It's a legacy and it's yeah. built this whole genre. So yeah. I feel like it has to have the same rating as our Friday the 13th. So for me, it's five taters because... It really like we wouldn't have Scream Queens without Jamie Lee Curtis. Um, yep. We wouldn't have, you know, villain POVs and theme songs if it wasn't for John Carpenter. You know, like we it's really this movie is just so <laughs> solid in building this franchise. <laughs> I'm muting that for a sec. <laughs> We're going over. We're going over here to our potato rating. We are at Five five potatoes. Hank gave it four only because he got here late. Okay, fair. Yeah, Hank. You're, you're allowed. You're allowed your gut your gut feeling rating system. If we have our feeling rating system, then you can have yours. Yeah, I I agree. I had a really hard time with this one. I again, I think I, I think I like Halloween better. At least this are I like the first Halloween better than I like the first Friday the Thirteenth. But I really just love the whole both franchises better because I yeah. love kind of how comical and ridiculous they get while still also being scary. Like, even though you know the formula and you know what's going to happen in all of them, there's still something, like, scary about them, and yet there's there's still disarming enough that you feel, like, okay to watch it if you're a wimp. Like, there's they're just, like, a really nice... I don't know. They're nicely done as far as... Um, yeah. All right. Hey, Travis. Travis is the uh, Travis is the opposite, which I totally respect. Travis says, "I respect this movie, but I feel many of the sequels improved tremendously upon this one, and many things have yeah. aged like milk." Two for Travis. I love it. Travis is a discerning, a I discerning did, reviewer. I was telling Katie that I definitely don't feel that this movie is technically a slasher. I feel it's definitely more of a psychological thriller yeah. than a slasher because it 
it introduces the genre of slasher, um, but it's still closer, I find, to Psycho, say, than yeah. Friday the 13th. Yeah. So it, it's, yeah, it's harder to rate, but it's like we needed this movie to get anywhere else <laughs> with the genre. Very true. That's very true. We... Maybe we'll have to get harder with our ratings, Matt. <laughs> we'll have to have Travis. We'll have to we I can give our rating person. and then Travis can give the like actual rating. <laughs> we'll have to make sure that every week Travis to give a, a, the realistic rating that like this is the Canadian Matt and this is the Travis. Um, yeah, no, I think it. Yeah, I don't know. It's 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 hard because even the movies that are terrible or you like really don't enjoy like at this point so many like if if we're gonna watch it it's probably iconic enough that there's mm-hmm. still value in it which then i think makes it difficult to rate so yeah i don't know we'll see it's a good well I, we I did cover hamlet good. 2000 we did cover hamlet 2000 and that one was not good so well you know we're open to more <laughs> terrible movies to really round off some of these overly positive reviews I think that's yes. I think that's great. Uh, Doc gives it five au gratin for slicing and cheesiness, which I'm I'm into. I love it. Um, I think that's fantastic. I think it's great. Yeah, it, yeah, I don't know. I'm totally in the Halloween spirit, and I I love it. <laughs> and I my my almost his birthday husband is here hanging out uh, with us in the chat, and he hates horror movies. So I, I often only watch these now by myself because Nat lives too far away. So I, there's something like, for me, it's just so, it's a part of my, like, not childhood, but a part of my teenagerhood. Like we, th- yeah. this is like, for me, like sleepovers and like, and just too much candy, way too much candy and popcorn. And I don't care if I spill butter on myself. I'm not washing my clothes outside, but I... Yeah, I don't know. There's something really nostalgic about these movies in particular that always kind of take me back to that time where it's like where they the first time of watching them where it was like scary, but okay, because I was in a large enough group that we could be silly about it. And I think it I think it was great. So yeah, Dane did put up with us once and we went to see a horror movie with him just we went once. To see The Ring uh, with Dane and now he'll yeah. never watch another horror movie with us again. No, I, I mean... That was definitely the point where I'm like, he loves her because <laughs> he put up with the shit and he clearly hated every second of it. <laughs> Not because it's scary, just because he thinks it's dumb. But find yeah. someone who will watch the horror movies with you, even though it makes them angry. <laughs> That's what you need yeah. to find. All yeah. right. Well, well, thanks, everybody. Thanks for hanging out. Thanks for hanging out, Nat. You really dove deep this time. You did a lot of like pausing and rewinding. It was very VHS of you. I feel I'm feeling good. Very. About it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, Hocus Pocus next week, which I'm like, I'm right there in because I, I just rewatched this one recently with the kids. They saw it for the first time and I took them to Salem, Massachusetts. So I'm like, I'm ready. I'm ready to dive, ready to dive into that one. If it's one of your favorites, let us know. Uh, it will be super fun to hang out with and watch with everyone we'll see you all next week thursday 9 p.m eastern otherwise wherever and whenever you watch or listen to podcasts we'll see you next time